Welcome back to the Suitors Podcast. In the previous episode, we heard a description of Guru Hargobind's daily routine, how he was raising his army, enrolling young, poor men from across the Dwaba and the Maja parts of Punjab. And that's where chapter 45 now picks up, where it mentions the name of Guru Hargobind being the cherisher of the poor, Grib Nawaj, and how that had spread across the land as he was giving work and jobs to the poor. He was keeping the young men and enrolling them into his army and giving them great gifts like really expensive horses and arms, weapons. Guru Hargobind learned greatly the science of weapons. He was training daily, spending great amounts of time learning how to shoot matchlock rifles, how to ride horses, how to wield a spear, how to shoot a bow and arrow. And to do this, Guru Hargobind and his army would go into the forest daily to hunt and to kill animals. As they would come back into the city, their battle drums would be heard by the villagers, and people would come to, and run to see the sight of Guru Hargobind. Warriors across the subcontinent were hearing the praise of Guru Hargobind, and they would also come in droves to enlist and serve in the Guru's army. Some small groups of five and ten would stream in at a time, they would be enlisted, they would be fed daily and given a salary. They were provided with weapons and clothing. The warriors were hella enthusiastic about enlisting and they understood that they were giving their entire body, mind to Guru Hargobind. They were ready to give their life and to take life in battle for Guru Hargobind. The warriors would say amongst themselves, we've met a master just like Ramchandar who took a force of lowly creatures, of deer and monkeys in the forest. He blessed them greatly and then waged war against the very powerful warrior Ravan and defeated him. In the same way, Guru Hargobind has blessed us lowly ones so greatly that we are now all pumped up to wage war against the one who calls himself Jahangir, the one who has grabbed the world. So in this way, the warriors were speaking amongst themselves, instilling within their hearts, the warrior spirit. All the warriors were in such joy, bowing down at the feet of Guru Hargobind. They were all well paid. They would then send this money back home to take care of their loved ones while being provided with everything in Amritsar, from food to shelter to clothing. Guru Hargobind gave them the finest of clothes and weapons. And day by day they were fulfilled and excited to be there. Guru Hargobind would take this force of 400 plus warriors into the forest daily to roam around on horseback and hunt, sending off their hawks to catch birds. They would send in their hunting dogs to catch rabbits and also to draw out deer from the forest so they could be hunted. Many and many animals were killed and hunted by the warriors of Guru Hargobind. Just like how Ramchandran and Krishna used to go into the forest to hunt along with other great kings of old who used to do the same. And in the same way, Guru Hargobind would go into the forest and hunt as well. When the entire army would mount up and ride out towards the forest, dust would fly into the sky, blocking out the sun. And the sound of their rifles sounded like thunder. Day by day, Guru Hargobind was also growing. He was only in his youth, but he had a beautiful form and was extremely strong. He had very large feet, and his feet looked so tender like lotus flowers. His toes and his toenails were so beautiful, 
His heel had a reddish hue to it, and his ankle looked majestic on top of his foot, looking as if it was like a tower of support. His broad chest looked very powerful, like a wide, dense, strong pillar which would stand immovable in front of any enemy. On his navel, he had an auspicious mark of beauty held in Indic tradition, three horizontal lines across his abdomen. Guru Hargobind's belly was quite large as well, which by looking at it, everybody was enticed. And again, this is a beauty norm of Indic past. Those who had extra, extra weight around their belly were seen to be beautiful and, and very strong. The Guru's arms were very strong as well, and they were quite long. The tip of his finger would reach uh, to around his knee. And this is indicative of great shoulder mobility and exceptional, exceptional range for striking as well. His arms were gloriously thick, like the trunk of an elephant, extremely muscular. His strong arms were fierce like two bolts of lightning. His shoulders were wide and built like the shoulders of a large ox. He was roughly one and a half handspans taller than everyone else. Now one handspan is measured by opening and stretching out one's hand fully, then measuring from the tip of one's thumb to the tip of one's pinky finger, which is roughly around nine inches. So he was roughly around 10-ish inches taller than every, anyone else there, making him likely around close to seven foot tall. Guru Hargobind was wearing a beautiful pearl and diamond necklace. The Guru had a very wide and round chin with beautiful light cheeks. His lips were tender with a reddish hue. His teeth were white and sparkling like diamonds. When the Guru would laugh, it was as if somebody was opening a small box made out of roses. And buds of jasmine flower would be seen in, in that box, peeking and, sh and shining out. The Guru's face was round and illuminating, like a blossoming lotus flower, or like the peace-giving light, cooling moon in the autumn season. His words would stream out so pleasing, it was as if he was dripping amrith from his mouth. His nostrils and nose looked beautiful like that of a parrot. Looking at his larger-than-life form, everyone was pleased. And around his ears, he wore earrings embedded with gems. They were dazzling as they dangled, enticing everybody's heart. His large and tender eyes were like rose petals, but their sight was also piercing and sharp. His eyelids and the edges of his eyes were curved like a bow. The treasure trove of grace, Guru Hargobind, his eyes were shifty and darted around enticingly. His voice was so deep, it was deeper than any battle drum. And such a deep voice, just by listening to it, his Sikhs were inspired to fight. His eyebrows were raised and bent like a bow, and his forehead just exuded good for fortune and beauty. His hair was dark and black and soft, and on his head he tied a gorgeous turban. The term here used in the text was Ushnik, a Sanskrit term for turban. On the turban he had a kalgi, a plume, and a jiga, a gemstone ornament that circled around the turban. The gems on that looked magnificent, they were sparkling. All the jewelry looked gorgeous that the Guru was wearing, and he was wearing very fine clothes which were multicolored. Guru Hargobana would practice hard learning archery, and when he was practicing, with the six, 
Before he would fire off an arrow, he would, he would yell to them. He would ask them, say, watch this. And then he would nail the bullseye on the target every time while firing out the arrow at great speed. The Guru would have very heavy bows made, which required insane strength to draw and fire. The Guru would practice with one bow for a year. And then after practicing for, with that bow for a year and gaining the strength to use it, he would then have his Sikhs make another bow with twice the draw weight. Now a draw weight means the strength required to pull back the bow. So after that year was completed, he would have another bow made and it would be double the draw weight. And in this way, he would practice to draw that weight back. And this continued on for many years. The Sikhs would make very fierce arrowheads for the Guru out of the best type of iron, falad, or roots. Guru Hargobind would be practicing and would be thinking as he's practicing. He's, he would think in his mind, when, am I, when is that time going to arrive when I'm going to be firing these sharp arrows into the Turks? When will I fire my matchlock rifle at them? When, when will I destroy their army and throw them all to the ground? Guru Hargobind would train hard. He would use weighted clubs, mungliya, and would exercise with them, swinging them around, building up shoulder, back, and arm strength, swinging these weighted clubs for long periods of time. Everyone who would come to see the Guru would notice his insane strength, his legs, his arms. Every part of the Guru was jacked. He was really strong, and they would all praise Guru Hargobind for his might. The Sikhs would come from far off lands, and in getting the, the, the darshan of Guru Hargobind, their minds would be satisfied. Looking at the Guru, they were amazed. They would talk amongst themselves about the Guru's form. They would say things like, There's no one in the entire world with such a body like Guru Hargobind's. Never has there been, and there's not anybody now, and there won't be anybody like this ever in the future. He's so beautifully suited to take up arms against our enemies and to fight in the thick of battle, wielding his weapons. There won't be any such enemy that doesn't fear Guru Hargobind. With just one punch, he could kill a man. We have heard stories that, you know, in the mythical ancient past of the Dwapara Yuga, there were such warriors like the five Pandava brothers. And perhaps at that time there were warriors like this, but even compared to them, Guru Hargobind would tower over them. He would be a foot taller than all, than all of them. Guru Hargobind is still even in his youth and he's still yet to grow. So these were the types of things that the Sikhs were saying amongst themselves. And all the while, Guru Hargobind would continue to busy himself in martial training, teaching and instructing his Sikhs to do the same. And this is how chapter 45 concludes. And in the next chapter, we'll hear how Chandu hears of Guru Hargobind's training and the fact that he's raising an army and what he does in reaction to that out of fear. So that's where we'll pick up next time. But as always, we'd like to thank those who have been so supporting the podcast through the Mangalacharan Patreon page. <laughs> Sharna Parenga, Tetaniga, Gadi Gadi Karayave, Guru Arjibin, Sao